Now let's look at CPI year over year numbers. 3.2% on headline, 3.2, that's two tenths higher than the 3% in the rear view mirror. And that 3% in the rear view mirror was the lowest since March of 21. So that's moving in the wrong direction. For the first time in history, credit card debt for Americans has hit $1 trillion, to be exact, $1 trillion and $3 billion. That's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. That big number made public as consumers brace for yet another potential rate hike as policymakers try to keep inflation in check. So the White House uh, clearly uh, trying to gin up excitement for President Biden's 2024 campaign. Yes. Um, his CNN's poll from last week found that President Biden's approval rating is at only 41 percent. Mm -hmm. Only 37 percent of Americans approve of his handling of the economy. I, I said this in our staff meeting today. I feel like I've been noting this for three years. <laughs> President Biden is out there heralding such and such, and the American people disapprove overwhelmingly. Three years in, we're still having this conversation. Still having the conversation because there is not, the connection isn't happening. Most of what's been happening is countries have been setting goals for 2035 and 2050. When earlier this year I was in Vietnam and I was in Indonesia, they bragged about their 2035 goals and 2050 goals. Those goals are just mirages on the horizon. Having countries sign up to that is meaningless. What matters now is a fast pivot off of fossils. Stop producing more fossil infrastructure, rapidly deploy renewable infrastructure. During this process, I cut the federal budget in two years by $1.7 trillion. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is Thursday, August 10th. And I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna, who did not cut the federal budget by $1.7 trillion in two years. Yes. This technique, I don't know, doesn't work for me. Yeah. Creepy old dude whispering in the mic is not, is not a dynamic. Uh... It's a winner. <laughs> All right, so... Uh... Rick Santelli, uh, inflation up again here. We thought we were having it, uh, having it uh, licked per se, um, but uh, of course uh, now it's likely there'll be yet another Fed increase, Fed rate increase. What's going on here? Talk to me. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah, seems like it, right? Um, you know, the, the Fed guys were kind of here or there on this stuff, but. Um... The data is going to suggest they're going to do it at least one more time. I, it's hard to imagine how we're not going to wind up with a hard landing here. I just yeah, it, just, it doesn't seem to be any doesn't seem to be any 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 answer out there other than we're gonna we're gonna have some kind of crash in the housing market and that's going to lead the rest of it down the downhill. So um, two the the other two clips here uh, both from CNN. Credit cards top a trillion dollars, and uh, old Jack Tapper can't figure out why folks are not uh, buying the Biden message on the economy. You think they go hand in hand a little bit? Yeah, I don't quite. <clears throat> so it's funny you say that because I, I was actually going to do a little segment on inflation, on uh, employment, and purchasing power, right? Um, if you're a normal person, your purchasing power is down. Um, you know, prices have gone up. 
your wages have not gone up at the same time, purchasing power is down and employment hasn't exactly surged. It's not like we're employing, you know, hundreds of millions of more people. I don't understand why guys don't understand this. I mean, this is not complicated. You know, you got to, the reason why you have a trillion dollars in credit card for the first credit card debt for the first time is because people are making up the difference between what they, what they were being able to purchase and what they are being able to purchase with credit cards. You know, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a rocket scientist just to follow the numbers here. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, the interest on those is going to yes. tear these middle-class families apart as the bill comes due, right? Yeah. I mean, so. you know, I, I was, I was actually, I asked somebody this, this morning, like what, what their, or was last night, what was their rate on their credit cards? Cause I was like, Hey, you know, what's it like 10, 11%. And she was like 18. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that doesn't sound good at all. No. And I'm guessing people aren't paying these off. Uh, you know, on a paying them and paying the balances in full and in, in time not to yeah, well, get yeah. socked by the interest. I mean, that's the nature of the fact that every single thing is more expensive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter what Joe Biden says. It, the, the fact is that wages are not catching, keeping up, even if wages are increasing. Who cares if if they're not keeping up with or exceeding the cost of everything else? Yeah, it's, it's um, so Bidenomics. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's a curious thing, right? You're going to you're going to go out and run on the one thing that you don't do well. Well, right? well I'm I'm guessing there's more than one, but maybe that's the you know, I mean, should, one of the higher ones. He should so. run. He should run on. Hey, we gave you a bunch of money, right? Yeah. We, we shipped a bunch of money to you. And so. you know. Um, it's just as bad, obviously, uh, but when the uh, economy shut down, the, uh, you know, COVID stuff, and we'll get into that later, uh, thanks to you, um, the savings rates were up and credit card debt was, was you know, hitting record lows, relatively everybody, speaking. Because everybody was sitting inside, minding their own business, cooking their own meals. <laughs> so. America. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not going back on the gold standard type guy yet. But the the Fed, the government is getting. The government is. They're just too too involved in our daily lives, uh, on an increasing basis. Um, and all this monetary stuff is another example of it. All right. So Senator Merkley thinks that. Senator Merkley from Oregon thinks that the climate targets that all these developing countries have have um, declared are meaningless mirages. And, and really the answer is just stop producing and using fossil fuel. Yeah. So, um, is yeah. that like the quiet part out loud or? Yeah, it is. I've been expecting something like this for a while. I didn't, first off, I didn't know that was Merkley. I was like, it sounds like John Kerry's like, like younger brother, but um, it, yes, you, you know, the, if you've been reading stuff off the left for the last couple of months, it is it has been a steady drumbeat of, you know, these net zero things are more aspirational than real and blah, blah, blah. You know, they, you know, they now see what's going on, right? They need to, they need to rebrand this whole operation. And so- How many times have they rebranded? I, 
what, what's what iteration is this? And let's cut let's cut to the chase. What exactly is it that they're trying to achieve? And uh, why can't they just say that? Well, I mean, I think Merkley just did say it, right? That he 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 wants to make sure nobody gets any energy from from anything that um, works. Yeah, from anything that's that's non-intermittent, right? And and that's that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's where you are. I'm um, going to go a little bit deeper and say that this is about controlling energy, uh, and hence having your the ability to determine, you know, our future, you know, our economic, uh, you know, viability. Yeah. Uh, it's about control. It's about power. It's about redistribution of wealth. Um, it's, it's about all the stuff that these guys have wanted to do the club of Rome and all, all the whole gang and, and all the UN garbage and everything else. Um, and they just can't sell that. So they just keep trying to repackage it at some kind of, as some kind of environmental, you know, benevolence type stuff. So yeah, that's, that's it, my it, take. I agree with that. The, I agree with most of that. The problem, the problem here is, is that it's going to be tough to walk away from net zero. I mean, they made such a big thing about it. Everybody's talking about it. I myself want to start voting on it. Like, you know, let's, let's, cause that's, that's what concerns me. I'm like, we haven't voted on any of this stuff. And somehow it's people like identified as a national goal. I'm like, you don't really have national goals unless the nation can, you know, commits to it. Um, yeah. We're going to have a segment on Biden's summer uh, climate, August climate messaging month. So. Yeah, it, it, hang on, hang on for that. I'm, 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 I'm. I've been expecting something like this, but I expected it from somebody other than a United States senator. How about if I say it that way? Yeah, I expected. It from, right. I expected from some nozzle at the UN, not, not from the guy from Oregon. Well, that's the the beauty of uh, social media is everything is captured and redistributed. So, um. I won't be, we, we already talked about Biden's creepy whisper. So any announcements this week, my friend? You know, I get this terrible feeling I should have some announcements, but I, I, I can't remember what they might be. Well, the beauty of this podcast is, is that it's unregulated. We'll so circle you can back always go back to it. <laughs> uh, I have one announcement. I am for the first time in my, uh, my entire life from the time I began driving a vehicle. Well, even before that, but point being is, is that yesterday I parked a car, my car into my very own garage. It, it, I'm sorry. Is that not really, is that your first time ever? <laughs> the first time I've ever owned both a car and a garage and had the ability to actually pull it into the garage because I've had construction garbage piled up in there for like the past eight months. So it's finally clean. And I parked it in the garage yesterday and I closed the door. Monumental in my life. So what you're saying, Tom, is core memory, baby, core memory. What you're saying basically is that your entire life to, up to this point, this whole blue collar from Buffalo thing has been a sham. <laughs> no, you're basically Joe Biden of the, of the think tank slash podcast land. Not even close, bud. So, I mean, what do you mean you never pulled a car into a garage? There were no garages in Buffalo. I I wasn't driving. I was in California by then. I didn't own my first my my. 
I've owned homes with no, none of my homes had a garage until this one. Well, I've had, a, I've had a paperweight parked in my garage for 10 years. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, this, this day in history, I got, I'll, the first one I'll only mention because it's an interesting corollary to the second one. On this day in, in 1793, uh, this day in 1793. Yes. You're not going to guess it, so I'll just say. United the, States Louvre, the Louvre opened in Paris. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, and, and the reason I thought it was interesting is because it, it was the revolutionaries who who turned the Louvre into the Louvre because it was of the private residences of the kings and, and whatnot, uh, and their their very their very private collection uh so the the dudes who chopped all the heads off of everybody opened up the loop this is in 1846 this next one 1846 we go to war with mexico no uh the smithsonian institution was founded in washington dc okay what kind of communist dates in history are these you're giving me come on okay the reason this is interesting is because do you know how the Smithsonian Institution became the Smithsonian Institution? James Smithson gave him a bunch of money for natural sciences. Yeah, so this English dude who basically never spent any time in the United States said that in the event that his only nephew died without any heirs, he decreed that the whole of his estate would go to the United States of America to found at Washington under the name of the Smithsonian Institution and established for the increase and diffusion of knowledge. That was it. That, that was the, the whole entire request. And yeah. it took them two, about a decade to go to Washington. It took them about a decade to figure out what, how to translate that into the Smithsonian Castle. So, and now, all right. Now it's an air and space museum with a bunch of other things. Uh, 1945. August of 1945? August 10th, 1945. The Japanese surrender on the USS Missouri. The Japanese agreed to an unconditional surrender, accepting the Potsdam terms uh, of the, the terms of the Potsdam Conference. Okay. That's okay. that. I got, I got my one for three. Okay, you're going to probably guess this one, I hope at least. 1977 on this day and i'll give you one hint it is if you're a new yorker in the 70s there was a blackout no it was a it was a son of sam son of sam serial killer is arrested yeah on this day in 1977 24 year old postal employee david berkowitz uh, who terrorized New York City for more than a year, killing six young people and wounding seven others with a 44 caliber revolver. Yeah, there are only uh, there are only three things that happened in the summer of 77 in New York City. Four. One was the blackout. One was Son of Sam. One was the Yankees. And one was that, uh, one was that my grandfather died at the end of the summer. So... so so do, do you know why he was called Son of Sam? Yeah, because Sam was his dog or something. He, he was the one he, he, was, he thought he was getting instructions from Sam to kill these people. Sam, yeah, no, Sam was the owner of a black lab, Sam Carr. 
and he was convinced that the dog that both the dog and the and mr carl were demons but that the dog was instructing him to kill very very beautiful women from new york i have to be honest with you that sound at the time that sounded weird but the older i've gotten and the more i've traveled there are lots of people who think their dogs talk to them so <laughs> You know, it's not the yeah, but those are those are the people who own who don't have children and, and think that it, but, pets but, are their children. But you get so what that, I'm that's saying. not the same thing. That doesn't count. It is the same. It's exactly the same thing. We just because it's pleasant, we don't recognize it as a psychological defect, but it's the same <laughs> thing. All right, let's get into it this week. I, I've got one from IER uh, from the Institute for Energy Research. Uh, I believe Mary is the, the primary author. The renewable energy is still king of pork. The EIA, an independent agency of the Department of Energy, evaluated the amount of subsidies the federal government provides energy producers for fiscal 2016 through 2022. Um, federal subsidies to support renewables form nearly half of all energy related support between those those fiscal years um while conservation and end use lyheap etc uh received a whopping 85 percent um let's see renewable subsidies more than double between 16 and 22 increasing to 15.6 billion in fiscal year 2022 Federal subsidies in the Senate to support renewable were almost five times higher than those for fossil, which totaled 3.2. Now, uh, we could get into the definitions of subsidies, but the, even the EIA admits that renewables are basically like sucking up all of the federal subsidies for, uh, for energy, which we shouldn't have any subsidies for any form of energy. Uh, wind and solar alone combined for 94% of the renewable subsidies. Yeah, I find that to be the most remarkable, the least remarkable thing I've heard today. I would point out, although I appreciate the quantification, I would point out, I've been thinking about this for a while, it's important to recognize that in the last 15 years, the vast majority of new energy, like 90% of new energy has come from new oil and gas rather than renewables. Yes, of course. Well, you say, of course, but I don't think anybody knows that. I think they, they think, hey, you know, but at least we're getting lots of new power from wind and solar. That's wrong. What we're getting, so, what we're getting new power from is precision drilling and um, hydraulic fracturing. From 20, 2008 to 2021, the, the, the amount of electricity generated from coal or natural gas dropped by dropped from um 70 to 60 percent okay so within that category of course coal and and natural gas flipped right but literally during this entire conversation and this is this only goes back to 16 i'm talking since 07 08 literally the 10% that wind and solar took from uh, hydrocarbons, how much did it cost them? <laughs> cost us 
right? In, in both direct subsidies and higher electricity prices as a result of their intermittency. On a, on a BTU basis, uh, we are getting fleeced, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you're getting fleeced. I'm not a federal taxpayer. I don't pay taxes. Come on, man. Wait, because it's voluntary, right? Exactly. <laughs> you're going to be, now you're going to get one of those phone calls from those, those new IRS agents. So one of those. All right. So wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. One of those 87,000 IRS agents that the Republicans promised they'd do something about. Yes, sir. Have they yes. done anything about them? I thought they did. Like what? I thought it was in the. Oh, never mind. Yeah, go ahead. Keep, keep, keep. <laughs> All right. So so not good for us, but apparently the White House decided that August was climate messaging month uh, and old. Oh, uh, good old Joe Biden is out in Colorado and uh, um, uh, during uh, which he locked up uranium uh, resources, which we'll get into, but also uh, made a bunch of um, interviews, including one with the Weather Channel. Uh, and I've got a couple of doozies, a couple of highlights from that, and I will get into the discussion. Change. We brought it down. That's where we conserve more land. We've rejoined the Paris Climate Accord. We passed the $368 billion climate control facility. We're, we're moving. It is, the, it is the existential threat to humanity. So you've already declared that national emergency. Well, in the practice, you got bugged. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So you've already declared that national emergency. Practically speaking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, did you hear that we passed a $368 billion climate control facility? You know, I give the guy full credit for at least sort of being on talking point. I mean, they, they really what? want declare a national emergency on this thing i'm like i don't understand what they think that's going to get the greens want it yeah yeah they yeah, they, yeah. They, they just there's never they, enough man there's never wanna, well in in the uh uh category of never enough this was a quote uh, about that very thing from the center for biological diversity yeah casey siegel Biden has, in fact, failed to declare a climate emergency under the National Emergencies Act, failed to harness his executive powers, and failed to take life-saving action to end fossil fuels. So with friends like these, right? You know, I, if, if I was in the White House, I'd call that, that lady up, right? Like, the, like I, I read that thing. I was just like, man, you can't just say that kind of thing. He, just, he said, we already did it. Well, we kind of, you know, fi figuratively kind of did it. Uh, here is again him promising uh, or, or saying that he did, in fact, stop all drilling. Uh, but, you know, those pesky courts. He promised uh, no new drilling on federal land or offshore. Can you tell Gen Z that you haven't broken your promise? Yes, because the courts overruled me. Courts said I couldn't do it. I want to stop all drilling on the East Coast and the West Coast and in the Gulf. But I got I lost in court. But we're still pushing. We're still pushing really very hard. Look, the alternative is you get everything is better as we we, we have the private sectors coming off the sidelines. They've invested $250 billion. It's just 
Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a dodge breakfast of an answer, even by the incredibly low standards of politicians in this country. No kidding. He just, he's incapable of just saying yes or no, right? Well, I mean, one could argue that that, that has, uh, Ron DeSantis has that. Has They're that all, yeah. they, 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 they all have the problem. They can't just ever say yeah or no, or you know what? I don't, I don't like that question, so I'm not going to answer it. Well, because we didn't get enough creepy Joe whispering, let's do one more. Let's move on to solar panels because they aren't cheap. Fewer than 5% of American homes have them, and it's still cheaper, easier just to get your energy from the grid. How do you convince Americans that the hard thing to do might be the right thing to do for the environment? You can afford to do it, and you can afford to weatherize your home. We're paying people to go out and make their homes more solid in the sense that they're not letting out heat. They're not letting out cooling. Okay, so I want some of that money because I'm doing all kinds of stuff to my house to make it more solid. About so. fifty bucks, you could get some weatherization money. Yeah, well, I probably make too much money, right? Like you no, said, I don't, I, some of it's not means tested. Some of it's just like, hey, man. So, so the thing that bothers me about this two two things, in fact, one is is how completely ignorant this reporter slash interviewer type person is. Really, uh, I'm going to give her high marks for at least asking questions. I mean, I, I, nobody okay, asks well, that questions. Okay. How do you convince Gen Zers that you kept your promise? Who cares what Gen Zers? Like, okay, whatever. Oh, yeah. But she well, has I mean, no I idea that you, you know, she thinks if you put a solar panel on your roof, you're off the grid. It, okay, anyway, are, set that aside. You, aren't you? Wait, are you, are you saying you're not? Set that aside, okay? Yeah. Set that aside. Did you, like, literally, like, as if this is a really good thing, is we're paying people to do stuff in this country. Like, we're giving them money to do stuff. Yeah. Right? So... Anyway, um, it, 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 I, I, I kind of like it. I think it's the first time the guy's ever gotten real questions on any of this stuff. He, you could tell he's like, wait a minute, I'm a good guy here. You know, she's like, well, why are this supposed to be a, what is this supposed to be a rosy interview? I'm just the weather channel. Who expects a hard interview in the weather channel? Yeah. You know, hey, man, you guys do a hell of a job with the thunderstorms. Keep up the good work. I mean, you know, it, it seriously. All right. Um, in addition, uh, I didn't, I'm not going to play this one because we've played it a couple times. He also brought up that stupid Delaware oil slick thing again. Did he, did he talk about how he his his house almost burnt down and he? No, he, I don't. I didn't catch that. All I get, when he was in Delaware, we used to have to put we used to have to put the windshield wipers on because there was an oil slick. <laughs> Boy. All right. So. Biden went to the Grand Canyon. Um, ironically, by the way, he's saving the planet. But uh, did you see the clip of the massive motorcade <laughs> that was required to get him to the, the south rim of the Grand Canyon? It was pretty. It was pretty comical. I, you know, um, what, what I, 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 I did, and I got to be honest with you. What kind of guy goes to the Grand Canyon at the height of tourist season and closes it off for a day? The guy who needs to lock lock up a uranium mine. I mean, you know, it, it, he should have gone to the North Rim. He could have gone anywhere. Instead, he goes to the place where the tourists all go just to make sure that whoever was supposed to go see the canyon that day 
you know, got hosed. I'm just like, who does that? Sorry, yeah. go ahead. just want to get that out because that was my first thought. I'm like, 100,000 people were planning on going to see the canyon yesterday. And guess what? For two days ago, guess what? They didn't get to see it because of him. Yeah, that's true. And, and most of them probably booked like a two, three day vacation tops, right? Yeah, I mean, this, this, and saved a whole to... bunch of money to do so, right? Oh, we can't go today because Joe Biden's locking up a uranium mine. Anyway, yeah, a million acres, a million acres. All right, so this is also from IER, uh, and this was a week after the Department of Energy released a update of their critical minerals assessment and included uranium as a near critical supply risk for the United States both in the short term and medium term, right? Moreover, this assessment, their own department concluded in the short term that it ranks alongside lithium in its importance to energy in our economy. So what did the president do? The president essentially created a national monument that right smack dab in the middle of an area where not in the Grand Canyon, Near it, but you know, out west, near is a lot, uh, a lot farther than near in in the East Coast in Washington D.C. Right in smack dab in an area where there are active leases for uranium mining that have been going on for years and years and years. So this administration is not serious about increasing electricity, generating electricity from carbon-free sources. They're not serious about that at all. If this is the policy of the United States to lock up area after area after area where we have mineral uh, mineral deposits and, and the ability to extract them in an environmentally sound manner. Yeah, well, um, the... Um... Jeff Murphy basically just said they weren't serious about the net zero date. So what difference does it make? If you if you have no intention of doing it, if this is all just propaganda so you can ship money to your friends, then then great. What sure we're not going to open up any mines. It it's it makes perfect sense. They never have any, they've never had any intention of meeting net zero. And um, so what the hell? Who cares about the mines, right? Whether they be copper or uranium or nickel or anything. All right, so uh, climate month continues, and thankfully, uh, it's not wildly uh, damaging. But now, this is Joe Biden's attempt. This is again from IER, uh, from the IER Super Energy Research. Biden administration has proposed a 236 page revision to the National Environmental Policy Act. Yeah, I saw this. This is great. Guidelines that will require federal agencies to consider climate change and environmental justice in project reviews. So I'll give you an example, a utility wants to build a natural gas pipeline, agencies will likely have to evaluate if a renewable plant would be better to promote quote unquote environmental justice. Yeah, as such, it would, the goal of course is what they're hoping and trying to achieve uh, through, quote, permitting reform, it, the goal here is to try to further make it harder to, to do pipelines or anything oil and gas related, but, quote, unquote, easier 
to do renewable projects? Well, yeah, I don't think it's going to make it any easier to do renewable projects, but it's going to make it almost impossible to do natural gas or coal or oil projects. Um, the, my favorite part about <laughs> Oh, by the way, a listener said that you called it again the National Environmental Protection Act. Policy Act, yeah, 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 yeah. At issue a clarification. He's he's really chapped about that for some reason. Well, you know what? Get on, get, come on the show, and you can talk to me personally. Otherwise, like, don't. No, no, he's not anonymous. He's not anonymous. So. It, it, look, if you don't like it, get your own damn podcast. Um. Anyway, it, it, it what cracks me up about this is is that it's it comes literally, literally, um, in the middle of the the Congress stubbing their toe on permitting legislation. It, and this this 236 page thing, right? The fact that it's 250 odd pages tells you right away that they've been working on it for a while. Oh yeah. So the Biden, so Team Biden's been like, sure, yeah, hell yeah, we'll talk about permitting changes. Absolutely, we'll streamline permitting. And then they drop this thing. It's just like, hey, we we're just kidding. We're still the same old guys, and go to hell. Well, and you know, of course. The reason that we we did all these FOIA requests at FERC, which, by the way, they still haven't given us Allison Clements' ethics documents, although they have admitted that they have some, um, is because of the fact that they tried to do this unilaterally at FERC, right? They tried to inject GHG considerations, and they include EJ in the just, yeah, in the first yes, orders. Yes. Yeah. So let me, let me stop you right there for a second, though, before you wander away on this thing. No, no, please. The 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 pipeline um the pipeline guidance document and the climate change guidance document at FERC, they still exist. They're still alive. You know, you don't don't treat it like it's dead. Those two things. Oh no, I, I agree. Uh, good. Good catch. I didn't. I didn't mean to give that impression. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're gonna they're gonna regulate it under the National Environmental Protection Act policy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> man, it's just insane. So, uh, let's see. The NEPA revision states, "quote Leases for oil and gas extraction or natural gas pipelines have local effects." but also reasonably foreseeable global indirect and cumulative effects related to GHG emissions. Footnote states that this revision accords with the law's decree that the federal government assure all Americans safe, healthful, productive, and aesthetically and culturally pleasing surroundings. So they are literally like, okay, so much like President Trump's NEPA stuff, I, I'm not sure this is going to make it ultimately, is it? I'm sorry, which isn't going to make it? The need, these NEPA reforms? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're, they're going to become final for sure. All it, right. It, it's going to be, and it's going to be, the other, the other part about the, these, these additions, provisions, whatever we're going to call them is, um, they require a generational look, a multi-generational look. So in other words, it used to be, hey, you were only responsible for foreseeable. And, and actually that's the language that Glenn up getting tucked into the to the debt deal on this thing the foreseeability on language okay so all they did was say you know what we think that any we think that things 75 years out are foreseeable so they just they, they redefined foreseeable it was the administration's obviously having some kind of an internal brawl 
between people who are like, if we can't build transmission, we can never do any of this stuff. And the people who are like, no, 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 we absolutely hear that, but please go to hell. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. So this is over at CEQ, right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, I think that if Republicans are able to actually, uh, and, you know, this still might be difficult because of the Senate, but they need to fix the FOIA secrecy garbage uh, over at the White House um, because all of this stuff is, you know, basically under, undercover. There's no, uh, you know, they just, they don't give out any, any information. As never never going to happen. Never going to happen. Government government in secret works for people in government, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Yeah. It's never going to happen. All right. So, uh, you know, so far we've lost your opportunity to reduce our dependence on Russian uranium. And we uh, are going to, it is going to be even more difficult to approve projects uh, in Biden's climate month. So um, a listener asked if we were inclined or had a desire, had already discussed this with respect to the hottest summer ever in the history of the world. So I brought, I pulled this article out of the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Scientists look beyond climate change in El Nino for other factors that heat up the earth. Scientists are wondering if global warming and El Nino have an accomplice in fueling this summer's record shattering heat. The U European Climate Agency Copernicus reported that July was one third of a degree Celsius hotter than the old record. That's a bump in heat that is so recent and so big, especially in the oceans and even more so in the North Atlantic that scientists are split on whether something else could be at work. Um, Scientists agree, of course, that the biggest cause is, is climate change from the burning of coal, oil, and natural gas. Uh, but a natural El Nino, uh, which is a temporary warming of parts of the Pacific, and a surprising source of added warmth could be cleaner air resulting from new shipping rules. And the other possible cause is a 165 million ton water spewed into the atmosphere by by a volcano and this is the hunga tonga hunga undersea volcano in the south pacific which blew 160 million tons of water which is a heat trapping greenhouse gas as vapor um the volcano blasted five also blasted 550,000 tons of sulfur dioxide into the upper atmosphere Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, um, our friend, who's um, uh, Roger Pilkey uh, from Colorado, has been talking about this. Uh, Ryan Maui, the the meteorologist guy, has been talking about this, uh, and a few, very few people are talking about this. But a lot of people are suspecting that the volcano blowing up all that water vapor is the reason for the the long hot summer. So, okay. I'm perfectly content to wait for the scientists to tell me what they think the right answer is. I suspect that's going to take three or four years. I also kind of wonder about, I've, I've often wondered about this, about the optics of this for the, for the other side. Um, which, you the, which other side? The side that believes that everything is related to um, whatever combustion is going on on the planet. Um, what happens if next year is cooler? 
Yeah, what are they going to say? Well, right. what then? Because it's our policies are working. <laughs> of course, we'll <laughs> manifestly have nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to say. See? Or, or they don't talk about it. Act. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. It works. It's the... We've 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 done more. This is the the single largest act uh, to improve the planet in the history of the world, ignoring the fact that, of course, our our overall emissions are down. In fact, we're meeting or exceeding European targets in spite of all the crap that they're doing there. Um, okay, so the volcano, which is not you know top of line news in the climate journalism world, uh, is one of two or three other uh, things that people are pointing to that have uh, generated a blip in our, in our, in our. And in all our kidding work. aside, all kidding aside, that's why I'm always perfectly willing to wait for the scientists to, to say something about it, right? Because that it always turns out that things are more complicated than you think they are. Yeah, I get that. But which scientists, right? Because isn't the, isn't part of the problem that we have sort of, you know, twisted science science quote no. unquote. yes yes political guys but i encourage everybody everybody should read the ipcc reports they're not long they're like 200 300 pages right and and they are good scientific documents it's the summary for policymakers. i was just gonna say it's the summary for policymakers that turns yeah. the turns the global heat headlines and by the way again it's also important to remind people that fossil fuel generation is just a small piece of this pie this overall pie you read that you read the ipcc reports you walk away with a with a sense of a scientific community that knows a couple of things thinks a couple of things and has like a wide range of possible theories on most things yeah and, and you know what? And unlike everybody else on the planet, they're perfectly happy to say, I know this, I think this, and I have no clue about this other thing over here. Okay, and, but when you read climate journalism, you yeah, get a all, much different... All that uncertainty gets wrung out of the system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the point now where we, we've read them on, on, the, on, on this podcast, we've read the opening lines of some of these stories, which are just yeah. outrageous. Tom, how do you how do you convince Generation Z that like climate change is more complicated than they think? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to declare a national emergency just as soon as I. I'm not going to finish that sentence because I'll get in trouble. I'm going to do a TikTok video. Explain it to them. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. All right, so talking about science, yeah. Mike McKenna's most recent column in the Washington Times, a partner here at the Unregulated Podcast and, and co-sponsor, has called for a national commission on COVID-19, but yet at the same time questioned the efficacy of national commissions. The yeah. floor is yours, Mike McKenna. Well, I mean, some national commissions have been okay. Some have been disasters. Um, one of the commenters to the column said, hey, Simpson Bowles was a disaster. I'm like, eh, you know, Simpson Bowles really wasn't a disaster. It was actually a, a guideline that we've been using for the last 15 years, 12 years now. Um, okay, but 
can I can I just read a line from your from your piece? From sure. Your Examples include, but are by no means limited to the National Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform, which led to neither. <laughs> <laughs> and the Committee on the Assassination of President John F. Kennedy, which spawned many more questions than answers. <laughs> oh, I just I can I can hear the unregulated podcast in that in that paragraph. So. Uh, it all right, we, get to the nut of this. What do we need on here? What do we need on this? We have got to have some kind of national reckoning about what we did right and what we did wrong during this COVID thing. And if we don't, we're going to just make all these same mistakes again. And you know, the thing about it is, is that this was a Republican failure and a Democratic failure. And so... It can be done in a nonpartisan way. It has to be done in a nonpartisan way. We just got to have questions. We got to have answers to some of these. Are you saying that the the oversight that is being conducted in Congress is not getting to the bottom of this? It's crap. It's crap. You know, it's what it's what most oversight in Congress is. My guys were right, and your guys were wrong, and blah blah blah. And you know what? That's spectacular, and I, you know, I enjoy it, and I make a living off it. But it doesn't actually tell you much. Mostly, we need some kind of we need some kind of grown people. Like, and when I say grown people, I mean I, I even laid out who should be on the commission, who shouldn't. Right? I said nobody. I said nobody should be on the commission whose main source of income is the federal government, right? Because they all they all going to have a vested interest in protecting their own decisions. We yeah. need to, like we need just like a dozen or so doctors to just sit there and go okay what what happened when and why and okay here's how that decision was a bad one right it, it, it it's not a crazy concept i mean it, it's something we need to do anyway okay uh, and and i just bring up uh bring up to our listeners that i am not the one who brought up covid this <laughs> <laughs> So. Well, I mean, that's, that's the other thing about it, right? We're a year away, right? We're a year on. Everybody's cooled off a little bit. Um, you know, we could probably have that conversation now um, about, you know, the, the, the virtue of the virtue and the deficiencies of vaccines, of therapeutics, of shutting things down, you know, masks without all that stuff that was, you know, we had going on in the, without all that blood in the water that was, that was going on when, when this stuff well, if we have President John F. Kennedy, John JFK Jr., then, you know, you can bet we'll be discussing this. Um, I will say that if, if I am for whatever leads to the ability of uh, the prevention of the government to do what they did ever again, period end of story i think what they did was you know nothing short of remarkably dumb uh overall and i guess your commission would you know d decide whether i'm right or not right so I, I, but I, I, look at you like you said if you look you know we're looking at you know uh, some time and distance between the the height of the you know height of this um you know, the numbers, Kirpin, you know, Phil Kirpin, our friend is uh, still, you know, does once in a while does, but he's, you know, basically shown that no matter what anybody did anywhere in the world, the results were roughly the same. 
Yeah, and and you know if that's the case, then then we need to we needed to talk. We needed to obviously do more for the elderly population, right? We need to focus more on them. Yeah, um, and we also need to we need to change these laws across the country that gave these emergency powers. Remember, we were talking about that. Yeah, so. I think I think I, I I don't you know those those laws were all enacted essentially for nuclear war they were used they were used for public health emergencies not the same thing right yeah so it 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 and like i said republicans democrats almost everybody was to blame so it is it's not like it's not like it's not like there's political points to be scored here um but i would like to know before the next time we get into this like okay what worked and what didn't i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty Pretty normal thing for people to do in their own lives. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, did you see this uh, Washington Post? This was uh, earlier uh, in the week. Two U.S. Navy sailors accused of passing secrets to China. I did. I did. Out in the Pacific. Two U.S. Navy soldiers based in California were arrested Wednesday in separate cases and accused of passing sensitive national defense information and military secrets to Chinese agents in exchange for money. The Justice Department announced Thursday the charges come at a time when blah, 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 blah. The two sailors allegedly sent a blueprint for a radar system, technical manuals for vessels, operational plans for military exercises in the Indo-Pacific, and details of defensive weapons to Chinese intelligence officers. Justice said attorneys for the sailors could not be reached. Uh, it looks like it was 15000 bucks. The Chinese agent paid Zhao nearly 15000 for the information while making sure he destroyed any evidence the indictment challenged. So, Yeah, I did see that. It's, you know, Chinese are, Chinese are trying, to, trying, to penetrate, trying to penetrate the United States wherever they can, especially that Pacific fleet, right? Because that, that, that Pacific fleet is the only thing that keeps them from jumping across the Formosa Straits. I just get to say that's the Taiwanese yeah, liberation right. prevention. That's uh, right. You know, the, the, the communist Chinese are terrible people, but they're not stupid. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as long as we don't, you know, if we can segregate these issues and our commitment to climate change. That's because this isn't in John Kerry's lane. So sorry, I had to throw that out there. No, I got two, I, I, I got two real quick ones on on EVs. Yeah, um, I thought this one was interesting. GM is another promise. Promises made, promises kept is going to be a, a series at, at IER on all the garbage that these companies spew out about EVs and then turn out not to happen. G I could be biased, but Detroit News says GM's coming EVs will be able to power owners' homes. GM, GM said Tuesday it's expanding to more models. It's technology that allows electric vehicle owners to use them to power their homes. The automaker said it's vehicle-to-home, V2H, bi-directional charging technology will be available across all of its retail Altium-based electric vehicles by model year 2026. GM, uh, the, the V2H charging allows users to transfer energy from their vehicles to a properly equipped home. This tech will allow consumers to store and transfer energy, offsetting electricity needs during peak demand days. 
Yeah. Um, um, so GM basically just announced that they invented what Tesla invented like five years ago. <laughs> well, no, they didn't invent it. They're just going to make it available. They're going to make it. Okay. They're going to make available what Tesla made available like five years ago. I, I, guys, I mean, this is, they, or if you want to think about it this way, basically they announced, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make your electric vehicle a portable generator. Which you know, it's just what what is it with you guys? This is so. But <laughs> it, 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 hey, we invented fire. Hey, congratulations! It's the future. It's the future. We've had portable generation in this country for probably a hundred years now. Electric vehicles are the future. Yeah, customers can access the technology on compatible GM EVs through GM Energy's available Altium Home Offerings and the GM Energy Cloud, a software platform that allows users to manage the transfer of energy between GM energy assets and the home. Gee, I just, I would love to plug my home into GM's cloud. That would be. Yeah, seriously. I, you know, the, the, when I, when I get home, the first thing I think of is, Hey, I want to manage my assets and you know, blah, 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 blah. I've got another one. Now this is not a, an article, but have you heard of an outfit called issues and insights? Yeah. Why? So I thought it was interesting. It it's a, it was started by uh, like a crew that were producing editorials at the Investors Business Daily. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they 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 go and they do like research. God God forbid that they do research, and and then they offer viewpoints on stuff. Uh, and their their pitch here is: we have years of experience covering a wide range of topics. Our goal is to use our accumulated wisdom to help our readers better understand the events shaping the country. We are unapologetically pro-free market and for a limited federal government. Sound familiar? And we firmly believe that reason, intelligent, sober, sophisticated debate, free of insults and pettiness, well, that you won't get that here, and hatred, which we don't actually do, is still possible in the U.S. So the IBD guys have their own little side deal. Um, EV owners suddenly realize they're being conned. Three <laughs> California residents last week filed a lawsuit against Tesla for what they claim is false advertising over the car's range. But why stop at Tesla? And why just sue over false claims about range when every other claim about EVs is also a lie? <laughs> so wow. so uh, the lawsuit claims that Tesla had advertised its vehicle uh, ranges. Uh, had they honestly advertised the ranges, customers would not have purchased Tesla model vehicles or would have paid substantially less for them uh and then there's a quote from a contributor neil linton i've been road testing electric cars regularly for more than two years now and not once has the battery only vehicle met the claim capacity for its battery the average shortfall is close to 20 percent so interesting yeah, you know, I mean, we always we always talk about that. I, I I never thought somebody would litigate on it. I guess why not, right? That's a that's a class action, right? Waiting to happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Although you'd have to acknowledge you're a you're you have to acknowledge that you were careless enough to buy an electric vehicle, believing in those claims before you could before you could. Can I just read one uh, little uh, one other snippet of this? Uh, the only reason none of this is happening being, you know, telling, uh, you know, accurate stories about EVs and their deficiencies 
is because nobody wants to anger the climate change gods. So bad news about EVs rarely gets reported. Their flaws, such as the tendency to burst into un uncontrollable fireballs, gets brushed under the rug. <laughs> so, anyway, I'll leave that article in the... I'll leave that. Guys being whacked by somebody, somebody with that going on. Uh, I got one more, and then I am done. Uh, this is from the New York Times. Uh, back on immigration, New York Times Mayor Adams says migrant influx will cost New York City twelve billion dollars as newcomers continue to arrive in the hundreds each week. The city has increased its estimate for how much it will cost to house them and provide other services. Uh, if we don't get the support we need, New Yorkers could be left with a $12 billion bill, Mr. Adams said in a speech from City Hall. While New York City will continue to lead, it's time the state and federal government step up. Uh, and uh, here's an excerpt from the article I thought was interesting. For nearly a year, Mr. Adams has been saying that the shelter system is at its breaking point, and he has made concerted efforts to stop migrants from coming to New York. Three weeks ago, New York began distributing flyers at the southern border telling migrants that living in, New York, in the city is expensive and that there is no guarantee they will receive help should they come, even though they, the city is required to house those who ask. So are they or aren't they a sanctuary city? They're, they're misleading these poor migrants at the southern border about New York. Your sanctuary city, own it. it. This is Greg Abbott, if he does nothing else uh, in his life, has made this thing a thing by, by shipping, shipping the problem elsewhere. Um, it's brilliant. I didn't think so at the time. At the time, I thought this is a stupid stunt, but I, I, I recant that. It's brilliant because it's got guys like Eric Adams and, and, and Boston and Philly and San Francisco all hollering like, this is terrible. You gotta get, help us, help us. Sanctuary city, buddy, enjoy. I know, right? Uh, you know, it's, anyway. Okay, so. You reap, you sow, and that's how the world works. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't have anything else except for uh, some words of wisdom that I'd like to, to depart us with. President, yeah, I got I got four or five things I'll whip through super quick. You ready? All right. Yes, man. Let's do we'll it. Do Rifle round. Let's do it. We'll do the Bullet. lightning round. Um, lightning round. In case you missed it, the actual most important story in, the, in America last week was the dissolution of the Pac-12, um, where they're... Um, Three of their schools went to the Big Ten, and I think four of them went to um, the Big 18, the Big 12, which now has, I think, 16 guys. Big Ten now has 18 schools. Um, the incomparable Roger Pilkey wrote something in response about it, and he pointed out that American universities, public, American elite public universities, speaking as a guy who didn't go to a public school, so I don't know what elite public university might mean, but UCLA the, probably, or it, the, the <laughs> fact that you're a state-owned operation tells you you're not elite. Um, anyway, he says state elite public universities serve three functions in our societies now. They provide an amenity-rich environment, including the possibility of a college education for the um, students. That's one. Um, they host, um, they conduct world-class research mostly for the federal government, that's two. And then they host professional football teams, that's three. 
And I have to say, in the, in the ridiculous chase for really small amounts of money, I wrote this, this is going to run my column today. Um, you know, these guys are changing these things for 10 million bucks. And yet, Oregon is a perfect example, right? They switched out. I think they went to the Big Ten for an extra 10 million bucks a year. Oregon literally just wrapped up a donor drive, a giving drive that netted them three and a quarter billion dollars. I mean, they're chasing pennies. Anyway, I mentioned that only because I love college football and I'm very sorry to see it's become professional football. That's one. Two, I'm going to do this on the routine. President keeps talking about um, his manufacturing resurgence and his employment resurgence. I want to give you two sets of numbers real quick. I hesitate doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. At the top of the um, Trump recovery in March of 2020, there were 152,371,000 people employed in the United States. In May of this year, the last month for which we have actual data, there were 155,970,000 people employed. So about 3 million more, about 3.5 million more. Not bad, but about what you would expect for a three-year lag, right? We add about a million people every year. So this idea there's been some surge in employment generally is inaccurate. Manufacturing, I keep hearing about this manufacturing renaissance. In March of 2020, there were 12,720,000 people involved in manufacturing in the United States. In May, again, the last month for which we have numbers, there were 12,981,000 people engaged in manufacturing in the United States. That's an increase of 260,000. It's nothing to be sneezed at, but it's not 2 million or 261 million. We're gonna keep these, we're gonna keep and keep everybody apprised of these numbers because I'm starting to get annoyed about this whole thing. Um, two other things real quick. One, the Yankees are, remain in last place. If they finish the season on the current trajectory, they will be below 500. In the last 50 years, the Yankees have finished below 500 on five occasions. This would be the sixth. Um, and the first in 33 years. 33 wow. years. That's correct. And uh, just this, at this point is to remind us that they have won one World Series uh, yeah. since 2000. 23 years. And this, and this year's not going to be, this year's not going to be, they're not going to win this year. Um, all right. So bring back the uh, Steve Valbonis, huh? Yeah, that's it, where we're going. All right. I want to read you this thing from uh, from a Twitter feed that I, that I, listen to occasionally, I watch occasionally because it's important. ZipRecruiter, this ran last night. ZipRecruiter withdrew. They didn't amend, they withdrew. It's annual, it's annual earnings guidance due to quote, atypical hiring patterns. The number of job openings and employers willingness to pay for these job openings has been declining significantly from the peaks of prior years, close that quote, said CEO Ian Siegel. All right. The reason why I bring that up is because, um, as a friend of mine pointed out, it suggests we got cracks in the labor market and they're going to get bigger before they get smaller. To your point about the Fed raising the um, raising the, the um, rate one more time, it's going to take us into a recession. Yeah. Everybody needs to prepare. Lastly, um, well, actually, I got one more before I go to lastly. Lastly, and I hate to say I was right, 
Punchbowl, my friend over at Punch, my friends over at Punchbowl reported this this morning. <laughs> this morning. I know I'm laughing. Uh, I'll just read it to you. Uh, the White House is expected to formally ask Congress later today to provide new funding for Ukraine and disaster relief programs, um, setting up yet another appropriations fight on the Hill come September. Uh, the White House will seek supplemental funding totaling $12 billion for disaster relief and $13 billion for defense-related priorities, principally the war in Ukraine. In the Senate, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have already publicly committed to backing votes on a supplemental funding package that includes both foreign and domestic emergency spending, period. This is not my editorial. This is actually in the story, this next sentence. This would allow lawmakers to skirt the budget caps that were agreed to as part of the recent uh, deal. <laughs> I want to thank Punchbowl for telling the truth. I know that's not easy in this god-awful town. Um, last thought. Other Good than Lord. So <laughs> the spending bill is going to be higher. <laughs> I'm on right. Ultimately. Last week, I said $50 billion. That stuff was going to be $50 billion. We're already at 39 so I think I probably guessed low. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get some more plus ups. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hundred before the smoke clears. Um, all right, last thing. I wrote this column and I'm proud to have written it. In 1977, in the summer of 1977, and the reason why I mention this is because of the Barbie marketing craze, right? I don't know anybody who's talking about Barbie except they talk about the marketing of Barbie. Yeah. In the summer of 1977, back when Tom was a child. Um, there were two movies that vied for dominance that summer. One was Star Wars, right? One was Smoking in the Bandit. Great movies. Great. Oh, two fantastic films, no great, doubt. Great, great movies. Um, I must have seen each one of them probably 15 times in the theaters. This is back when you go, went to the theater to watch movies, right? Um, yeah. In that scene. When you had no choice, right? That's right. In, in, in that same summer, there were second runs of Rocky in the theaters, right? Because Rocky had come out in December before. And we wrapped up 1977 by, um, with Saturday Night Fever getting released in December. I mention all this because Hollywood used to make great movies for America. Normal Americans would go to the movies and enjoy it. And there was always, there was something that everybody could like. Again, Star Wars and Smokey and the Bandit. I can't think of two more different movies, but they ran one and two that year. Um, Didn't Jaws come out in the set late? Or 76. That... 76. Um, so. You got to include Jaws in that. I mean, Jaws was a classic. No, no, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying what 77 was a particularly ripe year. All I'm, my point is this. Hollywood used to make great movies for Americans. It doesn't anymore. Uh, you talk about the marketing craze. It exists. Of course it exists. Everyone. Everyone was. Everyone's dressed in pink. They're all, you know, even adults are like walking around dressed in pink to go to Barbie movie. You know um, the thing is, literally nobody marketed Star Wars or Smokey and the Bandit. The nobody. You just, they, so 1977, we had Star Wars, Smokey and the Bandit, and Son of Sam. It 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 was a great summer, um, except for my grandfather. That <laughs> Unless was. you were an attractive young lady with blonde hair. And living in New York City. Well, yeah, like I said, it. it um, <laughs> I I I don't know what to say except Annie Hall, of all things, won the Oscar for best 
uh, best movie in 1977, Annie Hall, which approximately nobody watched then and nobody you, watches now. You, you know what what the Osc today's version of Oscars is, right? No. The Rotten Tomato ratings. That All the critics. If you haven't, have you noticed that 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 they've got critics ratings and the public's ratings, and almost without fail, every every movie worth watching gets lousy. You know, gets Rotten Tomatoes from the critics and it, the the exact opposite is the case right uh the public loves the movies that the critics hate yeah so. i mean I, star wars star, everyone thinks oh star wars won best movie like when it came out it didn't it was so embarrassing they gave it they gave um lucas a special an oscar for special achievement i'm like that it's so embarrassing but they were so embarrassed that he didn't win anything else like they had to give him something yeah, i mean is the best movie made in 30 years they like they had to give him something right yeah sorry that's it for me all right uh well we were we we're going over uh we said we we're gonna have short summer summer but we just have so much to say we haven't seen each other so uh enjoy the extra time uh listeners but we, we want to close with this important reminder from the vice president and as the name suggests community banks are in the community. <laughs> Thank you very much, Vice President Harris. I wouldn't have known that otherwise. Uh, this is why we've got we got to keep her in office for four more years. We just have to. Uh, Indispensable advice, information. The next president. Inspiration. The, the forty, the forty, whatever number it is, president of the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Unregulated number 143 is in the books. Signing off. Peace out. Have a great week. Not okay. hey.